This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here's our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Genesis 45 is going to be the text we're going to be looking at tonight. Genesis 45, verse 4. And so... First, we'll start off by, by asking the Lord, Lord, we've been singing tonight that it's sweeter as the years go by, and it's true, Lord, it does get sweeter, and Lord, it gets sweeter as we learn more and more about you, as you teach us out of your word. So, Lord, we need you tonight to teach us in Jesus' name, amen. Then it's the 45, verse 4, 45, verse 4. And Joseph said unto his brethren, Come near unto me, I pray you. And they came near, and he said, I am Joseph your brother, whom you sold into Egypt. Now therefore, be not grieved nor angry with yourselves that you sold me hither, for God did send me before you to preserve life. For these two years hath the famine been in the land, and yet there are five years in the which there shall be neither earing nor harvest. And God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. So now it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he hath made me a father to Pharaoh and Lord of all his house and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. This passage is so important. This passage is the great disclosure of Joseph to his brothers in this gospel, according to Moses. I mean, Joseph had looked forward to this day for over 20 years, and his brothers had feared this day for over 20 years. I mean, the brothers were just afraid because they figured if this day ever happened, they had some serious vengeance to to watch out for from Joseph. But Joseph looked forward to this day because in spite of all that his brothers had done to him, Joseph never stopped loving his brothers, and he never stopped wanting to be yearning, longing to be reconciled with his brothers. Now, 
The brothers didn't know this, but they, they didn't know that it was Joseph who was the ruler over Egypt, just like we just read. They only knew this person on this side, this Egyptian man named Zatnath Paneach. Okay, that's all they knew. And they only knew this man, Zatnath Paneach, as a very stern person who had accused them of being spies, who had put them in prison, who had threatened to kill them and demanded that the next time they came down for grain that they bring Benjamin with them. That's all they knew is the words of this person from Genesis 42, 14. Genesis 42, 14, where he said, that is it that I spake unto you, saying, ye are spies. Hereby shall you be proved by the life of Pharaoh. You shall not go forth hence, except your youngest brother come hither. Send one of you and let him fetch your brother, and you shall be kept in prison, that your words may be proved, whether there be any truth in them, or else by the life of Pharaoh, surely you are spies. And he put them all together into ward three days. And Joseph, I mean, it says Joseph. They didn't know it was Joseph, but it was Joseph. Joseph said unto them the third day, this do and live, for I fear God. If you be true men, let one of your brethren be bound in the house of your prison. Go ye carry corn for the family of your houses. Bring your youngest brother unto me, so shall your words be verified, and you shall not die. And they did so. Now, who was that? That was the one speaking to them was really their tender, loving brother, Joseph, on this side, Joseph. But they only knew him as this stern Zatnath Paneach, stern, judging. That's all they knew. But he was really this tender, loving Joseph who was the same person as the Zatnath Paneath and Joseph. And that's the way it is with many people today. When they think of God, they only see this side. They only see the severe, judging, Zatnath Paneach type, and they don't see that it's the tender, loving Jesus, Joseph type. But they're the same person because Jesus is God. He's the Almighty God. Just as the same person was standing before the brothers as both the stern, judging, Zothnath Paneach person, and yet also the loving, kind person of Joseph. The same person of God is both the severe, judging, almighty God and the loving, kind person of Jesus, the same person. And this is the point of the great disclosure because there's no way, there is absolutely no way that the brothers ever could have known that the severe Zathnath Paneach was actually their kind, loving brother Joseph until Zathnath Paneach disclosed it to them. And that's the same point of this great disclosure because there's no way that any person could know that the severe, judging, almighty God is the kind, loving shepherd Jesus until the almighty God discloses that to him as he did to Paul on the road to Damascus. That was the great disclosure in Acts 9.3. In Acts 9.3, what we read is as Paul journeyed, he came near Damascus. Suddenly there shined round about him a light from heaven. He fell to the earth. He heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why persecutest thou me? He said, who art thou, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom thou persecutest. It's hard for thee to kick against the pricks. That was the great disclosure that happened to Paul when Paul said, who are you, God? And he said, I am Jesus. And this is the point of the first verse in Isaiah 53. 
The first verse in Isaiah 53, because there are two questions in that verse, a surface question that we all can see and a deeper question that we cannot see. When it says in Isaiah 53, 1, it says, who hath believed our report and then to whom is the arm of the Lord revealed? The surface question is, who has, who has believed our report? We can see who believes in, in the Lord Jesus Christ. They're sitting right here, or they're gonna be in some other church, or what, we see that. But the deeper question, to whom did God reveal that the Lord Jesus Christ is God? That we cannot see. And that's what the Lord Jesus said to Peter in Matthew 16, 16. Matthew 16, 16, when it says, and Simon Peter answered him saying, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. See, what did he say? When Peter said, you are God the son of the living God, of the living Godhead, and the Lord told Peter that you only knew that because God the Father of the living Godhead revealed that to you. And that leaves the question, well then to whom? To whom does God choose to reveal that Jesus is God? And God answers that question in Jeremiah 29, 13. Jeremiah 29, 13, when God says, you shall seek me and find me when you shall search for me with all your heart. Did you see how many times he says you? You shall seek me. And the implication is you will find me. And then when you search for me with all your heart, it's all you, 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 your. The answer to the question, to whom does God reveal that Jesus is God, is to every person who searches for God with all their heart. God doesn't make that decision. Man makes that decision. And then God decides to reveal it to the person who searches him with all his heart. This is the great disclosure here, that the ruler of Egypt named Zathnath Paneah is actually Joseph. And so he makes this disclosure, and Joseph then says, come close to me, come close to me. And Joseph now emphasizes to them two words when he gets them close to him, and they are the words sent and life, sent and life. Verse five, God does send me before you to preserve life. Verse seven, God sent me before you to preserve you a posterity in the earth and to preserve your lives by a great deliverance. Sent in life, that's the message that Joseph is sending to his brothers. And when Joseph emphasizes first that he was sent, he made it very clear to them, he actually said, it wasn't you that sent me down here, that sent me down here in verse eight. So it was not you that sent me hither, but God. And he's made me a father to Pharaoh, Lord of all his house, and a ruler throughout all the land of Egypt. He said, it wasn't you that sent me down here. And the brothers could sit there and say, that's funny, I thought we sold him as a slave. But he was saying, no, 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 it was much more than that. This is how Joseph saw himself. He saw himself not as a victim of being sold to slave, but he saw him as an ambassador sent by God, never mind the circumstances. And we can see when Joseph is saying that, how he is ingraining this thought in his head all throughout the day. I've been sent by God. I've been sent by God. I have a job to do for God. I have a job to do for God. God who sent me, I got to report to him on the job that I did for him. This is my whole, this fills his thoughts. This is what Joseph fills his thoughts with, that he's sent to do a job. This concept of being sent 
This is the whole concept behind the word Messiah. It's the whole concept behind the word Christ. It means anointed as you would do to a person when you're commissioning him or sending him out. And see, that's, and this is how the Lord Jesus saw himself as one that was sent. He said in Psalm 40, verse 7, Psalm 40, verse 7, then said I, lo, I come in the volume of the book, it is written of me. I delight to do thy will, O my God, yea, thy laws within my heart. This is what was in the heart of the Lord Jesus. The word of God the Father was in his heart. The will of God the Father was in his heart. And that he was sent by God the Father. And he kept saying this in John 5.36. John 5.36. The Father hath sent me. In John 6.57. John 6.57. The living Father hath sent me. In John 20.21. John 20.21. My Father hath sent me. See, this brings out the essential characteristics of an ambassador he's sent. It also brings out the essential characteristic of a preacher of the word of God. You know, it's commonly thought. You think, okay, uh, how, are we, how are we gonna know, you know, this person should be a preacher? What's his qualification? Oh, he's got natural ability, got natural ability to speak in front of people. Okay, good. He's got an education. Oh, which seminary did you graduate from? Which degree does he have? That really disqualifies me. I've never, I've never sat through a Bible class in a Bible college, a Bible university, or a Bible seminary, so I should give up now. But the most important qualification for a preacher is whether or not he's been sent by God. That's it, and that's what's emphasized in Romans 10, Romans 10, 13. When you get to this, the most important thing that can happen to any person, Romans 10, 13, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him in whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And how shall they preach except they be sent? See, Romans 10, 15 does not say, and how shall they preach except they have natural abilities to speak? Or it doesn't say, Romans 10, 15 doesn't say, how shall they preach except they have a, a master's degree in theology? And Romans 10, 15 says, how shall they preach except they be sent? Now, the sending from God is the only qualification for a preacher. Moses had no ability to speak. And what he said to God in Exodus 4.10, Exodus 4.10 shows us, Moses said unto the Lord, oh my Lord, I am not eloquent, number one, Neither, here, neither heretofore, nor since thou hast spoken unto thy servant, but I am slow of speech, number two, and of a slow tongue, number three. So right away, he's disqualified, right? But God said to him, who made man's mouth? Who made the dumb? Who made the deaf? Who made the seeing? Who made the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go, and I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. So here's a man with no eloquence, a slow speech, a slow tongue. Moses didn't have any natural ability to speak, and Moses didn't have any Bible instruction. Moses had one qualification, and that was one word that God said to Moses in Exodus 4.12, and it was simply the word, go. <laughs> that was it. So if you went to Moses and he had on his wall here his degree, it would just say, go. <laughs> And the man with no natural ability to speak commands millions of people. 
and they follow him. And the man with no Bible education writes the Bible. Now, and, and this is why Joseph has emphasized twice in verses five and seven that he had been sent by God into Egypt. Now, the second point that Joseph is emphasizing here, and this is burning in his heart, and he again emphasizes verse five, now therefore be not grieved, angry with yourselves, you sold me hither, God to send me before you. Preserve life, verse seven, and to save your lives by a great deliverance. He saw that the purpose of God that he had for Joseph was him, was life, life, to preserve life, to save lives. That purpose was what drove Joseph, and he didn't have any time to become bitter or angry at his brothers for what they did to him because he was filled with the mission that God had sent him to do, which was life, bring life. This is the same as it is with our heavenly Joseph, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's filled with the purpose that God sent him to accomplish is to bring life, and he keeps speaking about that. Life, John 3, 16, is all about being sent for life, for God so loved the world that he gave, or God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. And then John 10, 10, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. And John 6, 51, John 6, 51, I'm the living bread that came down from heaven. If any man eateth this bread, he shall live forever. And the bread that I will give is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. So Joseph told his brothers in verse seven that God sent him to, to preserve, a pos- them for, preserve for them a posterity in the earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Joseph saw he was sent by God to save their lives by a great deliverance. And it's this great deliverance that we wanna consider now and ask the question, how was it a great deliverance? And to help us with this, I want us to just consider the word pass, P-A-S-S, pass. It, that's, the, that's what is embedded in the word Passover, Passover, pass, because it's the core meaning of Passover. It's the core meaning of Pesach in the Hebrew, Passover, which means a pass or an exemption. And we all know that on the night of the Passover, every firstborn of the house of man and animal died unless that house had the pass and the pass was the blood that God commanded that every house should have on the top of the door and on the two sides, I'm going to Japan tomorrow. I'm leaving for Japan tomorrow. Undoubtedly, my, my guests are gonna bring me and show me, because they're all over the place there, some Shinto shrine there, and in every Shinto shrine, Shinto shrines have a Hebraic origin And in every Shinto shrine, there is a holy of holies, there is a holy place, there is a tabernacle type of setting in every Shinto shrine. And every Shinto shrine, in the entrance of it, there are two posts that goes like this, two that are like this on the top, that is the gate that goes there, and it is the color red, or the blood of the Passover. And I'm gonna tell them too, that this, that's a symbol in Chinese, Japanese, this symbol like that and that symbol like that is for the Shinto shrine, but this is curved up. And I say, that's like a bowl offering to God. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. But anyway, I digress. 
Okay, so on the, and this is what happened. And so the blood was from the perfect lambs without a blemish. Lambs were all killed that night by each of the family. The blood is collected, the drama of it all. Can you imagine? At the time when Moses gives the, the, gives the call, I can tell you, I don't like it, but I have heard lambs scream when they die. So there is this screaming, a cacophony of screaming throughout all the camp there of the lambs dying. And if you don't think that's upsetting, and then collecting the blood from the lamb that just screamed and going and applying it onto the doorposts like that, that was like living blood. Like God said, the life is in the blood. You just heard the screams. And, so, and then comes this tremendous verse, which again is like that bowl in the Shinto shrine. The tremendous verse in Exodus 12, 13, where God says, the blood shall be for you for a token upon the houses where you are. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And the plague shall not be upon you to destroy you when I smite the land of Egypt. The blood was the pass. Now I want us to think of the word pass as, as, to, to describe for us this great deliverance that Joseph spoke of. Let's look at the word pass as an acronym where P stands for power, and A stands for adequate, and S stands for simple, and S stands for secure, and W stands for water. No, 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 don't write that down. <laughs> okay. No, S stands for secure. Now that's how we wanna look at what Joseph meant by this great deliverance. It was a great deliverance because it was from the power, the P, the power of Joseph. It was a great deliverance because it was adequate for the need. It was a great deliverance because it was simple. And it was a great deliverance because it was secure. Now, it was a great deliverance, this past, and that's what we want to look at. A great deliverance because it caused the famine of death to pass over them. Now, let's consider P. So P is for the power of Joseph. Now, it was a great deliverance because it came from the power of Joseph. Joseph, just think about it. Joseph was a slave. He was a Hebrew slave, a prisoner in the worst dungeon in Egypt. And Pharaoh had a disturbing dream one night. And it's given to us in Genesis 41.1. Genesis 41.1. It came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river, and behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kind, cows, and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. They came out of the river. You don't have to identify which river this is. There's only one river that counts in Egypt. That's the Nile there. Came out of it. Behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean flesh, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind, so Pharaoh awoke, and so would you, if you had a dream like that. And then it says, and he slept and dreamed the second time. So you can imagine Pharaoh shaking his head saying, whoa, that was a bad dream. I'm gonna go back to sleep. He goes back to sleep. He dreams the second time, and behold, seven ears of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good, and behold, seven thin ears, and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them, and the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. He didn't know what was going on. He thought maybe he saw this, and he said, behold, for him, I was like, oh, it was a dream? It was that real to him. 
Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. That's P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. That's tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. For more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program was brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.